A one, two, three, four festivals with Fred and Julie. Festivals with Fred and Julie. Me storming off and off an electric picnic with Fred and Julie. And we're recording podcast number three. Number three, baby cakes. So you're in Dublin. I'm in West Kerry. Yeah, I had to travel. I had to travel five hours to do this podcast away from you to leave you to do it. We we take the podcasting very seriously. We do indeed. Now, so you're up. You're recording the Tommy Show again, and it's myself and Ted down here doing our thing, eating carrots, eating bananas. It's all rave up in here, baby. And hence why we're doing festivals because every day is a festival with Ted Cook. Exactly. Yeah. It starts early and it, it ends quite late. <laughs> That's very clever. I can't believe we didn't even rehearse that. We're like, it's like jazz. That's what we do here, Fred. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's uh, speaking of jazz, the Cork Jazz Festival. I've never been at it because I've always been gigging. But, oh, uh, listen, can I just say the thing about the Cork Jazz Festival is, is that Anyone from Cork, the first question they will ask you when they meet you is, have you been to the jazz festival? They're so proud of it. But everything, they're proud of, every, anything in Cork, Cork people are proud of. Well, I, you know, I love Cork because we did discuss briefly, should we move to Cork? Because I did spend, I did my dip in Cork back in the day. Shout out, still have a lot of fans up in Glanmire, the first school I taught in, uh, on Gardner's Hill, St. Patrick's College. Shout out to my homies up there. Uh, love Cork, absolutely love it. And the Jazz Festival is a brilliant, brilliant weekend. I mean, Cork is just a great city. It's just a brilliant, brilliant city. Yeah, it's it's class, and it will move. Hashtag here. sponsored by Cork. <laughs> exactly. Hashtag sponsored by Mihal Martin. Uh, yeah, I'm just. I'm, I'm. Who do you think is your favorite Cork person? Because there's been a lot of greats from Cork. Oh, I don't know. Maybe Paul from the Franken Walters. You love, love the Franken Walters. Yeah, well, yeah. that was our second date. Do you remember? It was the first day that I had the bravery to wear my hair curly, and you loved my hair curly. Yeah. And I remember because there was a, speaking of festivals, there was a music festival in Rap Mines and the Frank Walls were playing at it. But I met them en route to the gig. I met them in Junction 14, you know, off the M7. So first Who are you telling? Them. I sent you back. You left my gaff in Kilburn with the girls. Shout out to Aoife and Heffy Bear, who I was living with at the time and are the best girls ever. They're the best crack. And you left our gaff, supposedly going back to Galway. Next thing, I see a picture of you and the Frank and Walters on Facebook and you're ringing me to say you're coming back and you're going to a gig in Rat Mines. And that was just an introduction to Fred time. Yeah, exactly. Spontaneity. But this is when spontaneity goes wrong because Paul says uh, he sent me a message on Twitter, right? Offering me tickets, even though I had tickets for it. And then he says, maybe... Such you know, he a said nice this, guy. He said this hours beforehand. He goes, maybe you'd want to come up on stage and, and sing a song with us or play the guitar. Now, obviously, I'm such a big fan. I know all their stuff. So I was delighted to do it. And I said, yeah, of course I would. Of course I would. So then they walk out on the stage and they see me up the front. Now, this is probably... Do you know, it could be like maybe seven hours later and I am polluted. I can barely stand with the drinking me. And uh, he looks at me and we just know a silent contraction that I don't need to go up on stage and sing a song or play guitar because I'd be too much of a hazard. So we just enjoyed the night and we left it at that. And it was our second date, of course. 
Well, it's it was her second date. And what's nice about the Frank and Walters is obviously anytime we're at a festival doing comedy and they're on the bill, we always make our way down to the Frank and Walters. Do you remember the last electric picnic we oh, went I to see it. them? Yeah, yeah. They're such a brilliant band. I mean, Electric Picnic, it's like, obviously, Electric Picnic's the big one, isn't it? If we're talking about festivals. I thought, I was only thinking today about the last time we gigged at Electric Picnic. And it would have been, of course, this year because it wasn't happening. So it would have been the previous year. And I, so funny. Do you remember, we had our tent and we went to our gig and I was going on first and then you were going on after me and I had a shit gig. Like it wasn't a great gig. It was just like, okay, I knew within the first two minutes, it's just going to be a case of getting through this. And then I was right. Do you remember I came off? So I was going on stage and you were like, best of luck. And like kisses, a lot of support. And I'm such a selfish bee that when I stormed off stage, I just marched past you and you went out and all I could hear was the crowd going wild. Absolutely mad. Like just loving you straight away. And I was like, well, well, well. So like a complete brash, I then... I then went off to my tent in a huff, zipped up that tent and waited for you to come and coax me out of the tent. Because that's kind of our relationship, isn't it, really? Me stamping off in a huff and you coming along after me, unzipping the tent, saying, no, it wasn't that bad. Like, that's the story of her life. And then I was doing a real John and Mary, God rest her soul, poor old Mary, who passed away the last couple of weeks, from Father Ted, was doing a real John and Mary on it because I was saying to you about how I'm shit, I'm so shit, I shouldn't be doing comedy, everyone thinks I'm shit. They were all laughing at me, not with me. Everyone thinks I'm shite. And like my former students came to see me and I'm so embarrassed, I can't go out. Oh, hello! Abigailia. So Abigailia had come along and suddenly I was all game face and I was back in festival mode. But I really made you pay for having that killer gig. I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry about it. No, you it, did so me. well when you went out there and said, oh, as you can see, the festival's really taking its toll on Ed Sheeran and they were crying, laughing. And I was like, I'm gone. I'm got, no. I'm out of here. I can't support this. I I do love festivals. I think for me, I mean, obviously it goes without saying festivals changed. Like I used to go, I think about three years in a row, I went to Barn Dance and Barn Dance was always in the same mystery location and none of us copped. Like every year it was still a surprise and none of us put two and two together that Barn Dance was just always in this barn in Wicklow. Like it was still a mystery every single year. Loved a bit of barn dance. I mean, Electric Picnic's always a great one. The last time I went to Body and Soul as a punter before I started doing comedy there was good crack. I can remember going down with my mate Maria and my friend Jenny was driving and we bought a bottle of, because we're on the M7, we're on the M4 and we were saying, God, we forgot to get drink. You know the way there's always that panic when you're in the yeah. car on the way and you're like, fuck, need to get drink. So we decided to just go full on, full on L1, peak L1. We stopped off at Marks and Spencer's en route to get our drink for body and soul. So we just got a lot of Prosecco and then, and a bottle of Champers. And then we were in the car and Maria, oh, Champers. And it was so funny because it was just by Luke in there, by that exit. And as she, so she had the bottle out the window, Jenny was driving and she, 
open oh, by the way I was wearing a bikini top so my dad had dropped me to the bus in a pencil skirt and a bikini top and I was like 34 I mean he was saying to himself something's wrong here like Judy should have a family at this stage like instead she's walking around Lucan with a bikini top on but Maria anyway opened the bottle of champagne and the cork hit off a car in the other lane and it was actually a squad car no way. Amazing. And the guards just looked at us and started laughing. And that's what I love about Ireland, that you would hit a squad car with a cork from a champagne bottle. There's a big pop and the guards, instead of reaching for their firearm because they don't have firearms, they just laugh, give you a little friendly honk and everyone just goes on their merry way. Like, can you imagine if that had happened in America? We would be dead by now. But you're such an innocent, you know, for me... I, I look at one friend in particular. Uh, I've been going to festivals with him my whole life. And I remember we went to Radiohead in 96 and uh, he drank. He drank that day. He drank a can of Heineken and he was annoyed at himself because he broke the pledge. <laughs> he broke his pledge. I mean, what That's innocent. You, he was, well, listen, you're foolish if you took the pledge. Even as a worldly 12 year old, I was like, I'm not taking the pledge. I knew I wasn't going to stick to that. Like, first year is tough on anyone. Exactly. Alone if you don't have any drink in you. Catholicism is hard enough. Like, why do you want to All take the drink away from teachers. you? Teachers, you need something to take the edge off. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you being a teacher would know. Definitely. Like, so, uh, but like the thing is as well, the same guy who, who's, who's annoyed he broke his pledge is the same guy who's at Glastonbury uh, when he went missing because he was on LSD. This, you might go ahead 10 years later. Uh, this is 2005 and he was on LSD and uh, we couldn't find him and he was I on- love the way can I just say something before you continue with the story I just love how you say the name of drugs and I love the fact the names are so alien on your tongue so say LSD again LSD I, like a te- I say it like a teacher say ecstasy ecstasy <laughs> It's just the emphasis Ash. is so, yeah, it's pretty moon tour, isn't it? Well, in all fairness now, I heard you quite recently, you seen a guy with a, a smoking hash and you were saying to your friend, you were saying, well, you had what I can only call a spliff. <laughs> I know. And you know what was so Complete. funny? Because I didn't realise this person was smoking a cigarette. And I, I'm just, look, I'm a complete moon tour when it comes to all these things. So it's so funny because I was only recounting this story to you. And even though it was just you and I in the kitchen, I still looked left and right in case anyone could hear me before I uttered the word spliff. Spliff, yeah. In the same way, do you know the way your mom says arse? It's just arse. It's just mouthing the word, but you're not actually, you're not actually saying, you're just mouthing it. But teachers are good like that, aren't you? They've got they've got other words for other things like oh flippins. Will you ever floppy <laughs> to do that, don't they, teachers? Yeah. You're an awful you crap. Yeah, you're an awful cake, you are. You big cake. Do you know? They're just big cake. Oh, you know, listen, you know shit has really hit the fan when your teacher's calling you a cake. A big cake, yeah, yeah. She's uh, and the thing is, but then the same guy who broke his pledge, right? So then, as I say, he took LSD. So this but- guy, he's on the road to nowhere. He's up to no good. He's breaking his pledge. He's taking LSD 17 years later. It's just one thing after another with this guy. Exactly. And we're, it was like it was like so much went wrong. He went missing. And we were quite worried because like we were in a, another country and we hadn't found him in hours. This is a Sunday, by the way. Uh, 
quite early in the day when one of the Glastonbury every Sunday, and you know, like the Leonard Cohen that had uh, Dolly Parton, but they always bring out these classic singers, uh, cult figure singers, and put them on stage on a Sunday. So we found this guy two hours later uh, in front of the main stage. The sun was scorching, right? And who was on the main stage? Only Shaken Stevens. Do you remember Shaken Stevens? Of course I do. And what was Shaken Stevens singing, right? In the middle of June, I think on a sunny day in Glastonbury, only snow was falling, right? <laughs> he was singing Christmas classic because he's just, you know, he's catering for the audience. He's singing Merry Christmas, he's everyone. He's giving them what they want. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Meanwhile, my mate is on LSD crying because he thinks it's Christmas. Now, that's when you know. That's that's the drop from being annoyed breaking your pledge to being in the field and Glastonbury crying because you think you haven't gone home because it's Christmas Day because you can hear Shaken Stevens uh, singing Merry Christmas to everyone on stage. That's when you know Funny. you need water that's and put them back you know in your tent. Yeah, that's when you know you need to go home. I think it's never a good festival when you see more of a medical tent than you do of actual musical acts. I know a friend of mine who will remain not anonymous, but back in the day, Oxygen. Do you remember Oxygen? Oh, yeah. And she got the bus down to Oxygen. She was with a couple of mates. And anyway, obviously, they were all drinking on the bus, as you do on the Oxygen bus. Whatever was going on, as she descended the stairs of the bus on Oxygen, the medical team were there and they're like, there she is. There she is. And they put her straight on the stretcher <laughs> and brought her to the medical tent. And that's when you know. Things are bad. All she can hear is Eminem in the background, like very faint in the distance. And then she just went back on the bus. That I mean, that was her oxygen experience. I've the, I've the opposite side of that story because the only thing that ever happened to me at festivals, especially the oxygen and witness, if you go back that far. But uh, if it was a, if I was at a festival in the campsite for three days, I just got sunburned. That's all that happened to me. You know, I was drinking cans. Uh, dehydrators and uh, so much so that I got so sunburned that my mate suggested Fred you should get cream we, we haven't got cream so I went to this you know you get these kind of nurses uh, walking around the place I said sorry if any sun cream no no and then they sent me to <laughs> they sent me to the hospital where your mate probably ended up the main hospital right so I just arrived with a, with a sunburned face and this doctor comes up to me like and he's quite, he's looking at my pupils. He feels my pulse. And he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And meanwhile, you know, there's, there's people around me nearly getting palpitated. You know, there's people who've collapsed from drug overdoses. And the doctor goes to me, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, you wouldn't have any sun cream for my face. Would you? I've just, you know, I've got an awful, I've got an awful sunburn. And he, he literally told me to fuck off. And he was right. It wasn't a place for it. But, you know, but sure, to be fair, it is a medical need, sun cream, isn't it? I'm just so happy that I'm in your life now. I know, yeah. I'm always coming prepared with sun cream. If you weren't in my, like, the weather is horrific in Kerry at the moment, but if you weren't with me now, I'd still get sunburned. That's how bad I am, like. I, but I love putting cream. Where is my favourite place to put cream on your body? Let's just share it with our listener. Let's not get too personal. Come Let's on, you personal. know. What's my favourite bit of you? I wish I was. I wish. I wish I could say something dirty and 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 sexy and bold, but realistically, it's my bald patch. <laughs> yes, I love your little baldy head, and I'm really excited for the summer because I get to put cream on two baldy heads. Oh, yeah, and the good news is with my baldy head, it's only going to get bigger and better. Yeah, and I that's... think you're getting a bit. You're getting a bit jealous of Ted's hair growth already. 
I've seen the way you look at him. I do, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, implants for Christmas wouldn't go astray. Santi wants to... Why do you think I got you those flights to Turkey? <laughs> I hate... You know. Can I just say whatever you want to do, but personally, the hair transplants are not for me. It's just... It's all about Wayne Rooney. Maybe, maybe they're better now. They could definitely be better now. I'm not criticising if you do want to get hair transplants. You do you. Your body, your choice, all the rest. But personally, I guess it is a thing that men are, are quite obsessed with but as a, I, I can't speak for all women but I certainly wouldn't give a shit about whether a guy is bald or not I think I think but if you lost your hair attractive. if you lost your hair would you care oh that's a good point yeah I, well, I probably would that's the thing yeah. so it kind of just works it's just on a personal level I don't know if, if it's possible to break the gender argument for that and just go losing your hair is tough no I don't yeah. give a shit you're I'm right okay actually I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't give it, I'd never give it, I was surprised that I lost my hair. I remember uh, I was in Finsbury and it was in an internet cafe and you know the way you can see the camera. I love the way it's like, it's like you can pinpoint the very day oh. you went bald. And I was, I was looking at the camera in the TV going, who's, who's that guy? There's no one sitting beside me. Who's that bald guy? And then I moved my head. I shaked it. And I went, holy fuck, that's me. That's my You didn't. Patch. Is that true, Fred? That's that so is true. Funny. That's the moment I realized I was going bald. Is that I looked at a TV screen on a, in the internet ca- in, internet cafe in Fibsburg, and I, I shook my head to make sure that it was the guy to my left, guy to my right. But uh, the guy in the camera shook his head at the same time and went, "Oh my oh, god!" Fred. And what crime are you committing in an internet cafe? What do you mean? I always think people are up to no good in the internet cafe. I suppose this is oh, before yeah. you actually had your own personal computer, as they say. Well, that's it. That just shows you how long I've been going bald. I've been going bald for like 60 years. We've been so bad at the adulting. We only, like, we were literally scouring the streets of West Kerry and going into Tralee looking for internet cafes that would print off our various bits and bobs until finally we accepted that we are grown-ups and we spent 30 euro on a printer. Like, that took a long, long time, Fred. That was three years too long for us. Like, that's when, you know, like having owning a printer is the equivalent of owning a Nintendo back in the day. Like suddenly everyone's calling around to your gaff. Like they're all about you. They're all up in your grill. They're just telling you what you want to hear. And it's just because it's not because they value you as a person. They just want access to your printer. That's what this is. Yeah. But like every Nintendo in the 80s and early 90s, it stops working. Just like our printer at the moment. Unless you well, like the colour pink. Do you know what? This is very shit. kind of you. It's very kind of you to say, but I did buy the wrong cartridge. It's ha- I can't I can't get everything right. I tried to put it on the company. We were both cursing the company, but I knew the second that that cartridge came out of the box with its little pink top, that that was not a black, that was not a black cartridge. But I just put it along. I watched you watch the YouTube tutorials. I let you do it. And I, I'm sorry, Fred, because that's two hours of your life. You'll never get back. This is why I drive five hours to do a podcast just for an apology. We can leave it at this. See you next week. <laughs> Bye-bye. Just I know, you poor thing. You're, it's, yeah, it's, no, I think I'm quite good at apologizing. Do you not think so? Oh, yes, I do. Oh, stop. Stop pretending to read off a cue card there. No, honestly, I think, I think my, dare I say, I think my problem is I apologize too much. 
Yeah. Like in life, not just to you, but I'm saying in general. I mean, if you get an email from me, there are so many I'm sorry's. I'm very bad at apologizing. That's just my default position. Well, a great place to apologize uh, is actually poignantly enough at festivals again, because I know, <laughs> I know. Can I wait- just say, your, your effortless segues it's just, I mean, this is a skill I did not know you had well, until you know, I started this podcast with you. The way you bring us back on topic. That's why I've been full-time in comedy for 12 years now, because I just, I can flow it. It's impressive. Okay, so uh, it's a place that you say sorry at festivals. Well, the thing is, with festivals, uh, the people that you meet at festivals, right, are lads that you went to school with. You know, that you yeah, haven't seen in true. years. Yeah, there's uh, a lot people, of, oh, we should meet up. And it's never going to happen. It never does. But you still bump into people randomly. And you still, uh, when you do, like for me, festivals, like especially Slane Castle, right? I've, I've any amount of stories of Slane, right? But uh, I've gone to Slane to bands. I was I never no... at Slane. Oh, it's fantastic. It's just, it's just, it's a fantastic piss up on a hill. And, uh, but the thing is as well, is that uh, I, I just love the day out. Like I went to see the Stereophonics who I, who I actually, do you know what? I like the band. They're quite good. But if it wasn't slain, I wouldn't have went. If they were playing in my hometown in the pub, I wouldn't have gone to see them. Do you know what I mean? Like, and uh, you know, I, there have a few good songs and all that. I just don't think they, they really perform and they don't have to. But at that gig that day, I met so many lads from, from that. I See, I went to school in Cavan. And uh, so then when you when you leave Cavan, these lads, you might never see them again. You go for five years and you never see them. And one guy apologized for something that he did. And he, apolo- he, he apologized 17 years later for something he owned up to. This guy, when I was 13. He gave you a hard, hard time in school, was it? Well, look, everyone, we all gave each other a hard time in school. Do you know, I didn't really give. Uh, kids my age too much a hard time in school or anyone you know but there was some yeah lad... you would have been lovely no exactly yeah yeah I wasn't I wasn't a bully I can I can I can hang my hat in that like but this guy like he wasn't even a bully and he, he's a nice guy but he just did something he silly he was just a... a kid probably exactly yeah, yeah exactly he did a prank it was a silly prank we just needed to own up to it and I went back to my I went back what to my room prank? this is the prank right and here's the apology so when I was 13, I went up to my room, my bedroom, there was two to a room and I went to my bed and normally you sit in your bed and I went to sit on my blanket and it was soaking wet and there was no mattress. Soaking wet and there was no mattress and the mattress Just was put up. I hate to think of you in, alone in cavern dealing with this. Well, the thing is, Everyone was kind of laughing, but no one would own up. So that's the worst bit. Do you know what I mean? Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? What am I going to do? But I knew what it was him. I knew it was him. I knew it was this guy called Garold. I just knew it was him. And uh, I remember I was at Slane, the stereophonics on the hill, and I bumped into him. And I was delighted to see him and a good laugh. And the best bit about it was, this was this is what actually happened at Slane. I went, Garold, I've something to ask you. And his response to that, before he even asked a question, he went, I'm sorry. Amazing. <laughs> oh, but isn't that lovely, though? But is it, is it amazing the way, like, it's so uh, uh, clear in your mind and the emotions are still there each side that it took that, it took grown men to, uh, it took a grown man to apologise. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's a lovely moment. And they're the, they're the moments of festivals I remember, bumping into people like that and having a laugh, you know, well, and it's, resolving it's, some conflicts. And, you know, I, I will say in his defence, I think it does take... 
ultimately, I think you can forgive most things if somebody offers you a sincere apology. Like me today, letting you watch all those YouTube tutorials, knowing that that cartridge was not going to fit. You know, again, I knew it, but I apologize sincerely. And you have forgiven me and we will move on as a family unit. (laughs) But I do think... You only have to tell me this now. I'm only after finding this out right now. So... I want a serious apology now this, when this podcast is over. I Look, I have apologised, okay? I've given you a mini-me. Surely that's enough. Oh, yeah, thanks. Oh, yeah. Well, all I wanted was an apology, but now I've just got responsibility for life. Thank you. You you are obsessed with Ted, so Kappa. Come here. No, I do think with the apology, because I was only saying this to somebody the other day, it popped into my head. I would have gotten, when I say a hard enough time from a girl um, that I would have known throughout my teenage years, it wasn't so much that, but I was shifting somebody like a member of her family. And because I never would have been a cool girl, I probably realistically wasn't considered to be on his level because he would have been playing football and Mm. stuff. And of course, you know, those things always stick with you. Like when a guy doesn't think you're good enough to shift or he's kind of keeping it on the QT that he's shifting you. It's all very hurtful and it's cumulative because you're very aware of it. It's like a man from normal people. Well, he is. But like again, you see, I think I kind of have a lot of sympathy for people because I think actually it's very well depicted in normal people. But it's that whole thing that ultimately in a misogynistic culture like that, it's kind of damaging to everyone, like not just to you. It's just damaging to everyone, really. So, you know, probably wasn't, you know, good for him or the other people you were shifting that didn't want, you know, it didn't want to be kind of known they were shifting you because you weren't a cool girl. I mean, it's not really good for anyone yeah. but I can remember years later um the, this girl up to me in a pub in Australia and you know what I think part of it was being out of that almost I don't want to say suffoc- suffocating but the claustrophobia associated with this kind of like small town microcosm and then when we met in Australia we met one oh, night exactly. and then a later um we met I met her again and she came up to me and she said I just want to say I'm really sorry because I actually have been a bitch to you all these years. And you know what? With her saying that, all was forgiven. And now I see this girl and I get on great with her and I have such time for her because I think ultimately we're all just working it out when we're kids. And sometimes we do things that we don't even want to do, but it's because we want to be liked or we're insecure or we're scared of our own social status or we're trying to assert our own power or whatever it is. And when she apologized to me in that moment, everything was wiped. I mean, no more than your man apologizing to you at the festival. I'm sure everything was wiped then. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it's a, it's a, it's a clean slate. Exactly, yeah. Even if it takes 17 years. And that's how, that's why with you and I now, it's a clean slate. Like, yes, you did spend two hours at the, on the YouTubes, but now we're, we're past it, aren't we? We've moved on. Yeah. Wiped. We are are past on. So my silence, ignore my silence and we'll keep going. So definitely, yeah, we moved on. We won't mention the desk. I think it's best not to mention the war. Christ alive. I'm no good at DIY. I'm shit. Well, I pet listen, love, but I knew, look, we all have our strengths. I'm not good at DIY either, even though not to brag, but I did do woodwork for my junior search. Woohoo. And you got a um, name, didn't you? 
Dig it and in it. Yeah, I my favorite joint, thanks for asking, would be the Dowl. And big fan of the Dowl joint. And I made a rocking horse. And I, in all my innocence in third year, I didn't know why all the boys in my class wanted to sit on the rocking horse. It took me about 22 years to work out why that was. But look, they were young. They had hormones. All is forgiven. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was essentially a buckaroo for the lads, which... You know, it was tough enough. Let me tell you, it was tough enough being a female in a waterwork class in a 90s Irish classroom with the divorce referendum pending, let alone effectively making a buckaroo for them to have their jollies on for your junior sir project. I mean, there was just so much going on there. Yeah, yeah. But you're just so talented. You can put your hands oh, oh, you're the king of the segues. I tell you that much, right? King of the say. Well, you're so talented too, Pat. And that's why when I saw you sitting down, like, Baba, when I, honestly, when that booklet fell out of the box, I knew it was over. It's we were done. One. Like, you know, you and I were both looking at that booklet. Like, you know, that meme where like yeah. you're joining all the dots together. It was like, it was like an episode of Law and Order back in the day, back in the 90s, where you're joining all the dots. It wasn't happening. Absolutely. I mean, the thing with f- furniture is simplicity is king. Uh, putting yeah, it together it and having it. This was like, if, if Einstein walked in and he seen all the planks and the screws, he went, oh, look, I'm out of here. I'm gone. Like, honestly, it, is no, no, it was, and the joints were too weak. So well, like, I'm, to be fair... Stein was notorious for his dodgy woodwork. He wasn't yeah. carpentry was not his strength. I know it's funny because when you were doing the desk, what I really enjoyed myself and Ted um, down in the sitting room, I really enjoyed. Um, now we'll say fudge. Let's use our primary school teacher language. Okay, so there was a lot of fudge. Oh yeah, yes. Fudge you, you stupid fudging, fudging, hey. fudging desk. Yeah. Fudging. Yeah. Little living fudging social fudge you, but then they reached a point in the day where suddenly it was like fudge you, Julie. No, that's not true. That's not true. (laughs) That's not true at all. Fudge you, fudge off. I used to. I said f off. With your fudging desk. I said fudge off. I said f off and sorry. I said f off and sorry in one breath. In one breath, I said f off and sorry. I'd already apologized before I got to the end of the FF and the F off. So, it was uh, a it was a fudge off, sorry. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Fudge off, sorry. So a year after that guy apologized to me at Stereophonics, uh, I was at Brian Adams. He's got some classic tunes. So in great... love. Oh, amazing tunes. I'm yeah. gonna run to you. That's a great one, yeah. Mind you, the lyrics of when you can see your unborn children in her eyes. That's pretty intense, isn't it? Well, it's too much for a Tinder date. That's exactly, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't you wouldn't write that as a profile sentence. Jesus Christ. But uh, no. So I'm at Slane watching Brian Adams with my friend Podge uh, on the side of the hill. Now, Podge is now in the band Ham Sandwich. So he became quite a, a famous rock star, a local hero in Kells has done well. And uh, but I remember saying to him because I knew I wasn't going to be in a band. I couldn't sing. I didn't really have the discipline, but he was he was mad for it. And I knew he was so ambitious that I knew he was going to whatever he did. And he was so talented as well that whatever he did, he was going to make it and do well. And I said to him, Podge, if you're ever in the band and you ever play Slane. Now, this this sounds like drunken talk and it was drunken talk, but there was sense in and belief and faith. I said to him, Podge, if you ever play Slane Castle, 
if you're a solo artist or if you're in a band, will you just let me come on stage with you and can I play with you so I can I I can play Slane Castle myself? Now, if you go ahead, it might be 12 years later, 13 years later, Bon Jovi are playing Slane and who gets a support slot? Only Ham Sandwich. They're first no. on stage. Yeah. And who plays Glockenspiel on the stage with Ham Sandwich? Only no. Mr. Fred Cook himself. I got uh, to play Slane Castle. Bob, I didn't know that. No, I'm surprised. I, I says, you know, I didn't want to. Uh, I says, you're so impressed with me that uh, I don't want to run dry too quickly. So I said, I'm going to, I said, we're going to go out with each other for three years. And I'm going to give you that bit of information. Yeah. You know what? That. You didn't, you know why that is? Because you wanted to know that I loved you for you and not because you played exactly. Slane Castle. Yeah. Not yeah. for the fame. Yeah. And the funny thing about it was the gig was so strange because the stage wasn't even set up. We were kind of, we felt like the guinea pigs. It's funny I can say this because I'm I'm saying this as all the musicians were playing with him. We, uh, Ham Sandwich booked uh, seven musicians to play with him. To, we filled out the stage, each side of it. We were like river dance of wow. musicians. Wow. And you were like Arcade uh, Fire. Exactly. That's exactly what we were like. Like if you all put us on together to about the end, like we fill up the stage. And uh, I was I was playing the glockenspiel. Now, to explain what the glockenspiel is, it's a tiny two and a half. Uh, it's probably got around 40 notes in it all together with the little drumsticks and you hit the metal, you hit the metal sticks. Very small, very kind of twee kind of instrument if I say that myself. You might hear it in insurance ads and stuff like that. But I was barely, there's barely enough room for me to get on the stage. In fact, I had to put my head out to wink at the audience. To look at him. I really had to make myself. I really had to make myself it's... notice to be seen. And uh, there's like Bon Jovi fans. There's loads of them out there, and they. This is the European tour, and there's these people traveling around Europe to see all their gigs. And Slane was the big one. So I put my head out, and there's people from Slane, people from France, and they're like beautiful Spanish Italian women with Bon Jovi T-shirts on them. And here's me on stage playing, and I'm the only single guy in the band. Isn't that insane? Out of seventeen. 17 I was the only single guy at the time and uh, going my god if I don't score and then they're looking I'm going what's he playing and then they see my glock and spiel and it didn't really help the situation <laughs> <laughs> so I did you get I, the shift no no I didn't we didn't even hang around for Bon Jovi it's not terrible we, we got the uh, oh that is bad we, we went to Wheelands <laughs> <laughs> Back to Wheelands. Was like, we just oh, got you know what? It has to be a serious. It has to be a serious good bill for me not to go back to Wheelands. Oh my god, I just love Wheelands so much. It's the exactly, best spot. Yeah, yeah. Did not know that. Um, definitely was- love the person behind the rock star, but it must have been an amazing experience. I'm sure. You would think. You would think playing Slane. These guys know what they're at. Like these guys is the most famous uh, venue in the world. So when you're on stage, the sound is perfect. The stage is set up perfect. The whole thing for us, the band's ham sandwich experience was so strange because the thing is upon Jovi, and I'm proud I can say this, that I had this information, is that their backline hadn't arrived. Their backline being, you know, their wires and instruments and stuff were late due to uh, due to uh, the trucks couldn't get over in time. So they were still making the stage. They were still putting Bon Jovi's stage together when we were on stage playing. Isn't that insane, isn't it? Like, and we couldn't, the sound was all over the place. The sound desk wasn't even set up properly, I don't think. And it was insane. Like, and the guy, 
Ollie who's playing drums for the band Ham Sandwich he was trying to play the drums meanwhile there was a guy behind him with a drill drilling a nail into the wall <laughs> just oh, but, that's, but that's what I love about Irish festivals it's just so ramshackle you know what yeah. I mean it's just that's what I love about it I mean for me personally in terms of festivals I'm not a massive festival head in that I'm not really into the camping. Now, a couple of years ago, everyone talks, still talks about it all together now. Do you remember we had that unbelievable weather? Unbelievable yeah. weather. Yeah. And it was a fantastic festival. Could not find fault, but yet I will. I remember on the Sunday morning waking up and just peeling myself, peeling myself out of the tent saying, no, can we all stop pretending we're having a good time? And that was in... Peak summer weather, amazing weather. I had had a great weekend. I was with all my mates. And I just remember looking over to the side and there was a tent, just a couple of tents up for me. And instead of going to the toilet, they were using a black bin bag to go to the toilet in. And you just have a moment and you think, oh, I mean, really? My highlight of any festival, because I am an owl one, I am peak owl one, I have always been peak owl one, even when I'm rambling around Lucan in a bikini top and popping corks off Garda cars, which all sounds very gangster, but I'm still an owl one. My highlight of any festival is heading to the crepe van. I love a crepe. That's what I love. In fact, I love the crepes too much. So there would always be at least two crepe vans at most festivals of a decent size. So I will alternate throughout the day between the two vans so that they don't think I'm completely dependent on these crepes, which I am. Love the crepes. And I do love the crack. You know, it is called fun seeing people, but I like somewhere to sit. That's me. Just like somewhere to sit down And I also need to retire. I do do this, don't I, Fred? I always have to retire back to the tent to read my book for a while, don't I? Retire to the tent, but I don't know to read your book. Just I do read my book. I always go back to read my book. In fact, do you remember a couple of years ago when we were in a tent and hilariously uh, there was a tent beside us and there was a person that we know and love who was involved in comedy making sweet, sweet love to a lady he had met I mean, based on the exchanges we could overhear, it seemed to be kind of a recent enough acquaintance. So they were, um, and I don't, I'm not saying that in terms of like shaming them whatsoever, but like as in, you know, I think they'd met, mm. had the crash, gotten the shift on, getting the jiggy jiggy on. And hilariously, it was quite loud, wasn't it, Fred? It was quite loud and animated. So you were sleeping away. I was there with my little key ring torchlight trying to read my book could not read my book because of course realistically you can dress it up any way you want but like you are just two inches from somebody's bum we might as well have been in the same bed well you may as honestly i probably would have gotten more of my book right if i had been in the same tent to be honest so you're literally just two inches from somebody's bum and I kept waking you up saying, Fred, Fred, they're very loud. They're very loud, Fred. And then she remember the next morning, the funniest part was everyone was looking at us <laughs> like, hey, did you have a good night? And you yeah. were like, oh, I got such a good sleep. And there was a lot of wink, wink, nudge, nudging. And I was saying things like I had a great, I actually ended up finishing my book, which was nice. And everyone was like, are they for real? Yep. They thought we were wild animals, Fred. Exactly. I should have I should have uh, soaked in its fake glory and went, well, indeed, I did have a great night. 
But do you remember Pooh Girl? That was an awful oh, story. That was awful. I've seen, I've seen that happen again. Why was it someone turned the thing over? Was it her? Yeah, just to remind oh. our listener, it was a desperate story. It was 2013 and oh, it could so easily happen. This poor girl dropped her phone and bag in a Porsche Lou at Leeds Festival. And then she basically, so she reached down to obviously get the phone, as you do, and she got stuck with her head down the hole and inhaled oh. So she was basically, she was inhaling, as my mother would say, who is a former primary teacher, she was inhaling Shukra, inhaling Shukra, SH1T, if she's feeling very annoyed. She was inhaling SH1T for 20 minutes. And then the worst part was, of course, everyone's filming this on their phones. So like, you're always going to be known as Pooh Girl, aren't you? God. And and the firemen were there pissing themselves, absolutely pissing themselves. I mean, imagine you'd never get over it. No, no. Well, she definitely didn't get under it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I another experience I had at a festival. I mean, I will get on board. You know, I do like to read my book. The crep is always the highlight. I will sometimes put glitter on my face just in a in a bid to get my festival friends to back off. Um, but generally, my favorite thing to do at a festival is hang out with Martin and Golo because Martin, like myself, you know, we will rock down to the main stage. Whatever, I mean, I'm thinking of my favorite. Okay, he's my favorite singer. We'll say Florence and the Machine, who I saw a few years ago and was becking amazing. But myself and Martin will meander down to the main stage and we'll just look at one another after a few minutes and say, nah. <laughs> and we'll get, we'll get in our car. And we'll go home because that's where we should be. And I love that about Martin because Martin says really disturbing things like, I'm going to be 23 tomorrow. So like Martin's a child. Like he should be, he should be in the mosh pit with the rest of them, but he's got more sense. He's with me. He's in the Yaris. He's bitching about other comedians. We're all having a laugh. Like that's, you know, we're eating our crepes. That's my, that's my dream way to spend a festival. Speaking of sense, I've we have a mutual friend, and he did this at the campsite ten years ago when I was sharing a tent. It's no him. fun if you don't name them. No, You're being I, so cautious and since our legal uh, team got involved. <laughs> exactly. Now, for someone really famous, I'd have no problem saying it. Well, if it wasn't my friend Jeff Bridges at the Electric Picket, I'd have no problem saying it. But he's not that famous enough. Fucking so, Jeff, uh, out it again. Exactly. But this guy. I don't know. Do you think this is dirty or do you think it's quite clever, right? But what he did was he put up an extra tent beside him and then he dug a hole in the tent beside him and that was their toilet. Oh, yuck. Yeah, it is. But, but he did that, is isn't it? This is the issue. The problem, you know what? And this is the difference between I've never gone to a festival on the mainland, mainland Europe. But what I've heard is the services are just out of this world. The issue with Irish festivals... Aside from the fact that they are more expensive and I'm sick of this bullshit of whether it's concerts or festivals. Oh, well, you know, Ireland is an island, so should they have to get the equipment here? Like, fake that. Sorry, no. Not buying it for a second just because they know we're fools and we're going to pay for it because we'll pay any money to have a good time. Exactly. And we certainly will after this lockdown. It is going to be like the Roaring Twenties. It's going to be deadly. I'm never yeah. saying no to a festival again. It's happening. It's on. The crepes are out the window. I'm telling Martin to lighten up and have a good time. Like the new Julie will be hitting the festivals in 2022. Get ready. Bush. I just think the issue with Irish festivals, it's the lose. It's just yeah. we don't have enough lose. 
you think, and we've been doing it long enough, and maybe, and I'm not been trying to be sanctimonious here, but when it comes to festivals, especially like, you know, in Ireland, we just, and it's not that we lose our, we lose our head to drink. We don't, but the queues are always massive. They're massive queues uh, for drink. Like I was at Primavera in Spain and uh, there's never a queue. Like it was constant and there were busy things, but there's never, and not only that, when it was at Glastonbury, this is how I couldn't believe how organized and how safe it was, yet how, how embarrassing this moment was. I went to go to a bath in the campsite. They've got baths. They don't have hidden showers. They've open baths where people go naked. Uh, they all in jump in together to the hot tub, all together, right? And uh, I felt safe. I jumped in myself uh, to the hot tub naked and I had a good wash. But while I was queuing, while I was queuing for this uh, bath in Glastonbury with everyone naked in the queue, five people behind me was a girl who I'd recognised in Whelan's in Dublin. Ooh. And did she shift her? Never. But she was there with her friend who I recognised as well. So the three of us are naked, looking at each other. And in, in a strange way, because, because we were abroad and it was Glastonbury and it's easy breezy and uh, go with the flow, we, we almost forgot about it. We just gave us an Irish uh, wink, shake the head. How are you? How are you keeping? How lovely weather we're having. <laughs> and we said nothing about it. We said nothing about it. They're standing naked. Like if that was if that was uh, electric picnic, you'd be arrested under the minute. Not under the minute. Yeah, that, you would. You'd be, lucky, you'd be lucky to get five minutes standing there naked. But you know what? Well, yeah, you, you would. Uh, you know what I will say though about the terrible loose situation in Ireland. One thing I will say as a positive, it does bring people together, doesn't it? Like I've made some of my best friends in queues for lose at Irish festivals that's one thing I will say just in the interest of journalistic balance well it's easier for lads in, in festival lose especially if you need to go for a pee because you're just you're peeing into a stall and there's four uh, toilets in one stall so you're literally having a chat with three other lads when you're having to pee and you'll put your can at the top of that uh, uh, stall and it's great crack <laughs> We we don't want we don't we don't expect too much at festivals. We're just happy to hang out and drink and have a laugh and, and have fun. Oh, do you remember? Do you remember towards the end of Oxygen? Like it was crazy. Like people were setting fire to tents and all that oh, kind yeah, of. Exactly. I mean, that was just mental. And it was the start of video cameras as well. 2008, yeah. 2009. It was like, just a lot of grainy yeah. footage. Yeah, and it was definitely it was honestly like. I think is it is it an Alison Alison Spittle who talks about going home from oxygen with trench foot. It was like she was returning from the war. Like yeah, it was just that yeah. kind of vibe with oxygen at the end. I remember this gas bunch of lads who you may do you know what nearly is my favorite part of the festival as well, other than the crepes, other than Martin Angolo, other than reading my book. I would say I love the crack just sitting in those fold out chairs oh, by the tent. Awesome. You love yeah. that too. Yeah, that's the funny thing about it was people always say, and I, I, I genuinely mean this, people will say, oh, I really appreciate festivals. I won't take them for granted when they come back. But I can honestly, hand in heart, say I never took them for granted when we had you them. You never did. I never did. I love the spontaneity. I love the wild crack of it. I love the cold air in my face. I love being hung over and you open up the tent and you breathe your first uh, breath of fresh air and then you crack open the can and start laughing again. And I can't wait to return to that because it's very hard doing it at home when you've got a, a, a fiancé and a child. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, and you're lucky to have them. Every day is a festival in this house. In this house, exactly, let me tell yeah. you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And if you ever fancy sit down, this is a top tip. Just find the pub of Gaelga. Find the Irish tent. Oh, There's yeah. always a bit of foot room in there, a bit of leg room. There's always a bit of leg room in there. But it's funny the way you, you, you can become more savvy. I guess you can you, you notice the difference between someone who's been to a festival for the third time as opposed to someone who's just arrived in their jeans and shoes. You know what I mean? Like there's a savviness, uh, there's an educated uh, uh, sense of survival. And the third time around, you know what to wear. You're less fashion, more comfort. But it's amazing how comfortable and how savvy you are at these festivals. I remember in 2007, now I'd been to festivals. I'd been to Witness. I'd been to Oxygen, the early ones, as a, as a, as a ticket buyer. But then the Laughter Lounge in Dublin, they had a comedy tent at the Oxygen Festival in 2007. So therefore, I became a performer at the Electric, uh, sorry, at the Oxygen Festival. And I couldn't, and I didn't know this, but my good friend Simon O'Keefe, he was on as well. And we got these passes and I thought it was just backstage for the Laughter Lounge comedy tent, which was a hard gig to do that year. You know, I, Bernard O'Shea went on after me and he knew how to do it. He was singing songs and he was singing Pat the Baker and the Centre songs, you know, just getting the crowd going. It's very hard to do subtle comedy at an oxygen comedy tent in 2007, you know, when you got LaRue blaring in the background. But I had this backstage pass and Simon O'Keefe goes to me, Fred, we can go, Simon being a good comedy friend, he goes, Fred, we can go anywhere. We can go backstage with these passes to any backstage. And I'm like, oh, wow, cool. Where will we go? Who will we go to watch backstage? And then he said, let's go to, let's go to Mika. And I was like, who's Mika again? Yeah, let's go to Mika. And I forgot, Mika was the guy. I could be blue, I could be violet sky, I could be humble. It's so funny. Yeah, of course. And he loads of uh, fake smoke, steam on the stage. So we went backstage, we couldn't even see the stage. And then there was this little gap in the smoke. And they went, and then it was like Mika jumping up and down. I'm like, oh yeah, this is cool. And Simon loved it. He actually loved his music and he's a wonderful performer, this Mika guy. And then we said, okay, let's just go to the main stage. Let's just try and go backstage. Scissor Sisters are on at the time. I said, okay, yeah, let's do that. And let's go and see uh, what Scissor Sisters is like backstage. Now, I couldn't believe this. Uh, like, this is a lad who was uh, sharing tents with lads who used the other tent for toilets. And now all of a sudden, I'm backstage in the main stage at, at the Oxygen Festival. And who came in and stood beside me? Only Michael Stipe. Michael Stipe and I was like oh my god wow and the funny thing about it was I couldn't stop turn to and sing night swimming <laughs> deserves a quiet I'd say he'd be good crack I'd say he'd laugh along with that he, Nuts, he, really. he dreaded the, he dreaded the half drunken sunburnt look at me he goes oh my god not one of these people again you know you could see it and the funny thing about it was I was so excited he caught me smiling at him there was three people in between us and then I smiled at him so much. I thought he panicked because he thought I fancied him. Do you know what I mean? I was like, oh, no. Now he thinks. And then I couldn't believe this. Who came in then? Only Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins. <laughs> I was like, wow. Now, look, I'm not that. I'm not that celebrity. I'm not a celebrity fanatic. I'm not. I'm genuinely not. But I, you know, I'm a big No, but it's of... like, I mean, if Lorenzo's oil ro rocks in, like exactly. you're paying attention. If you love OREM, if OREM are one of your favorite bands and the Shawshank Redemption is your favorite film and Tim Robbins and Michael Stipe come in and uh, Susan Sarandon, you love Telman Louise, one of the first movies I've seen in the cinema. I was like, this is unbelievable. And Scissor Sisters were Sorry, on stage. Sorry, what cinema were you going to see Telman Tell Louise as a nine-year-old? I, I know... 
I know I, I seen it in the cinema. My sister brought me because she wanted to go and she had to bring me because she was babysitting me. So I had to go. Oh, with her. yeah. There was a lot of that. And did you ask Tim Robbins, did he do it? Like, what's the story? I know you're living in Mexico with Morgan Freeman now, but did you do it between you, me and the wall? The warden's dead. He's killed himself. You can be honest. <laughs> Simon's a great friend. You know, I've I've done gigs with him for years and I've gone to festivals with him as well. In fact, talk about the Laugh Lounge doing uh, the Oxygen Festival. The Laugh Lounge had a venue up in Belfast and both of us were playing it in the Odyssey. They had a, the Odyssey had this comedy club and who was playing the Odyssey that night? Only Girls Aloud. This is how long we've been doing comedy. Girls Aloud were playing. So we... <laughs> Once again, he said, oh, man, I think we've got back to the Jackson's. We can go meet girls aloud. And uh, so we went through these corridors and then Simon O'Keefe stopped me halfway through jokingly. And he goes, Fred. And I go, what? And he goes, we've no condoms. <laughs> so. Oh, so funny. I love that story. I just think that's so, so funny. He is. He's gas. There's so much, there's I so do... much fun in it. I can't look. I'll definitely, I tell you what, I won't be pulling a Julie ever again. Julie, um, body and soul, maybe four years ago, Julie 2016, 2017, when I asked the security guard if they could turn the music down a bit, it was just a bit loud. That Julie is gone, but not forgotten. We're looking forward to heading, heading to some festivals. Um, can't wait. It's going to be great crack. Sure. Fred, darling, it's been an absolute pleasure. Keep raving. Is that what the kids say? Listen, Pat, absolute pleasure. And I guess this time when we go back to the festival, we'll, we'll be one of those couples that you hate because we'll be dragging a toddler with us with a Stone Roses t-shirt on the toddler. Do you know those, you know those four-year-olds? Oh, and everyone will be coming up saying, isn't he gorgeous? But yeah, quickly uh, trying to get away exactly, from you. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. As your As your mates are out of it. So uh, that's what you do at festivals. Yeah, you say the baby's very cute, and then, then you just quickly move away. <laughs> you're gone because it's wrecking your buzz, isn't exactly. it? Yeah. Anyway, on uh, speaking of wrecking your buzz, I'm gonna have to go now. Okay. Well, uh, uh, sweet dreams, and I'll talk to you in the morning. That's so creepy. Oh my god, sweet dreams. Are you actually coming back to Kerry to murder me? <laughs> What's the last thing he said? Do you know if you say sweet dreams to anyone, straight away it goes from manslaughter to murder because it's premeditation. It shows that you've been thinking about it. All right. Okay. Well, then that's oh, just as an FY information. Well, then note to self, what should I say? Good night now. Just Good night now. Or when, of course, you're living in the Gaeltuck now, so maybe an Ihawa might be nice. Ihawa. Ihawa. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Fred, I love you. Good night, pet. Good okay, night, pet. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.